welcome back to Moments Melissa Podcast. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Melissa. Uh, let me just say, I feel so good to be back and refresh. You guys, it's okay to take a break if you need it. I had to disconnect from social media. Luckily, I took some time off work and just time off podcasts. Again, you guys need it, rest. That's something that you should put as a priority. So this week's episode, I have the host of the Lightning Shadows, Kristen. We have the opportunity to go over her spiritual journey, mental health, grieving, and just so much, you guys. Um, if you follow me on Instagram a couple days ago, I had mentioned that this is a heavy episode. Really honored that she is on my podcast sharing her story. It's amazing. It's aspiring on how far she's come. I am just so proud of her because that's the person I needed when I was going through a hard time. I needed to hear her story and just feel that I am not alone. And that's the whole meaning behind why I made my podcast and the reason behind her podcast too. Also, just a heads up, there is some audio issue. Luckily, it's on my side, not her side. So you can hear her perfectly. I'm just a little low. With that being said, you guys, let me just stop talking. I'm going to let her take over and for you guys to hear her story. Just briefly a little bit about me. I'm a young mom. I have two adorable little kids. Um, been married for about 10 years. And my journey in the past 10 years mm-hmm. has been, you know, really centered around mental and emotional health and really struggling with that in my family. Um, I lost my sister, my only sister, my best friend, to suicide five years ago. And then after that, I struggled myself with Mm -hmm. severe anxiety, severe depression, OCD. um, And then it ended up becoming like psychosis and I had to be hospitalized and I was battling suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, that's just like in a nutshell, (laughs) my struggle. And then obviously I've been able to find tools for myself and to get to where I am now. And I'm so passionate about sharing my story and about sharing, sharing what I've been through, what my family's been through, um, everything that I can share to try and reach people who might be going through that too. And the reason why I do that is because when I was in my lowest of lows, I remember like Googling like crazy just wanted to find somebody who was experiencing what I was experiencing and could like nail it on the head for me and say, Mm -hmm. yeah, like this is what I've experienced. But I wanted to find someone who had been through it and then made their way out of it Mm -hmm. and that survived it. And I kind of believe, I believe in the law of attraction. What I was searching for, I, I was desperately looking for hope, but what I was finding was not hopeful. It was just a lot of really depressing things. Um, And I came away from those searches feeling very disheartened, feeling hopeless, feeling like this was going to be my life forever. 
um, that I was going to be stuck in this place forever. And I know that that's how my sister felt, um, in her suicide note, she wrote that she was good. She didn't want to live to be 80 years old and still have all these struggles. Like she didn't want to live that kind of life. And that is how I felt when I was suicidal. It was like, I am going to be this way forever. I'm going to hurt my family and just be like this awful person who I felt like I was, which I wasn't doing anything awful. Me, I personally wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, but the place that I was in mentally and emotionally was very, a very scary place. And I didn't want to live that way. Like it was so painful. And the lie, the biggest lie to me was that I was going to be that way forever. Um, and I, I believe that many people like my sister who Mm -hmm. complete suicide have that idea that they're going to be in this much pain forever and they can't, no one can live like that forever. It's, it's miserable. Um, And so now I'm really passionate about sharing my story of hope and transformation and change and um, and also grief and sadness and all the things. Um, and what I do with my podcast is I don't have all the tools for everyone. I can only speak from my own experience yeah. and I can reach people who can relate to me, but there's so many people who can't and who have their own experience around mental health that is different from mine. And so... I interview a lot of different people with a lot of different stories, a lot of different backgrounds and talk to them about what is it that they've struggled with. If it be alcoholism or, you know, some kind of addiction or all across the board, some kind of like mental illness that they've been diagnosed with and what are tools that help them and how do they get through it? Um, So that is, I'm really passionate about that because I believe firmly that no one is exempt from hope and no one is exempt from transformational change. Like if, and that's, those are the people I want to reach because that's where I was, that's where I was. Even just, you know, two years ago, I was in that place of I'm, I'm going to be this way forever and there's no hope and there's no change. Like it's, and now here I am today. And I can say in hindsight, oh, yes, there is. Life yeah. is so much better than what you're experiencing if you're in that darkness. Um, so, yeah, that's me in a nutshell, what I like to do in a nutshell. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, I don't know. Like, I didn't, I knew we had some things in common, but I didn't know it was that much in common, to be <laughs> honest. Um, it's crazy what you said. You, you brought me back to a place that I didn't know I would go back to because I kind of blocked it out. I went through postpartum depression pretty bad. And mm-hmm. I remember Googling, is this normal how I'm feeling? And what did you find? <laughs> well, I just found like they obviously coded it as baby blues, but never as uh-huh. in, it never went deeper than that, you know? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, because I remember when I, when I had my baby, they gave me like a pamphlet you know, when you go home discharge, they give you the discharge notes and yeah. they send you off with a packet and it said, Oh, if you have the baby blues, like call this number. Honestly, I didn't feel the baby blues. I just tossed it. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go through that. Like I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And, and it hit me. So it hit me a few months after I had my son where I was going crazy, had like suicide thoughts, um, overwhelmed and just stressed out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it's just crazy. And I look back because that was not me. And I felt like, Cause like I look back at that moment and it's just like, wow, how did you ever think like that? 
you know? Yeah. It's but weird. it feels so real in the moment. Like it does for me, I got really confused about who I was because yeah. in that moment I was like, oh my gosh, I am, I am like depressed. I am anxiety. I am like, I used all these, I am who I was. And I was like, I am an awful person. Like I, yeah. I really attach my identity to my experience. And now looking back, I realize no, that was an experience I had. And that has nothing to do with my identity. But those feelings are so immensely powerful. And it is, it feels like an attack on who you are. Yeah. But it's it's not true. Those are all lies. That's what I'm learning now. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of it, it felt very true um, yeah. and very scary and very overwhelming. Yeah, it was really overwhelming. And I eventually did get help. I went to therapy and I remember she offered medication. I was like, no, I don't need medication. I want to see if I can, if like my mental brain, if they can take the exercise that you're willing to help me with, you know? But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's crazy. The fact that you said Google, because I thought thought nobody else Googled stuff like feelings. I mean, how can you put how you feel into words, you know? And that was my thing. I just, I didn't know what was wrong. My husband's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm I'm going crazy. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it's because you, like for me, I had never felt those emotions before. Mm -hmm. And so like when my sister died, um, I could relate to some of the things that she'd been through, Mm -hmm. but I didn't quite understand it. And then actually going through it, I have so much more of an understanding. Like I realized the real true battle it is and how, how hard that battle can be. Um, and it makes a lot more sense to me now because, you know, I've been there. Um, but people who have not experienced it, it can be really confusing because it's not like, it's not like when you have a broken leg and everybody can see like, Oh, she's got a broken leg. She's hopping on one foot. She needs help. You know, like with depression, anxiety, it's all in your mind Mm -hmm. and it's your feelings and emotions and thoughts. And it's not an outward thing usually. And so it can be confusing for other people to understand who have never been through it before. Yeah. But it's very real. <laughs> it is very real. It's very real. It's very real. And none of my friends went through it. I feel like I, I went through it alone. You know, I asked, I talked to my mom because obviously she had kids. And I was like, I never experienced what you had. So mm-hmm. I really, I felt lonely, like lonely, like, yeah, okay, maybe it's, maybe I am the issue, you know? And that's yeah. why I thought of suicide, like suicide, because I, well, I'm the only one that's feeling like this. I might be the problem. Yeah. For me too, when I was going through it, I felt like I was hurting everybody that I was around. Like I saw, I was actually pregnant when it hit the worst. And so I was six months pregnant when it, when I started to experience like the severe depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, I was very healthy and mentally well when I got pregnant and very excited to have a baby, but at six months pregnant, I started to, I was not able to sleep. I started to stop exercising. I would go to the gym with my daughter and I would try and make myself exercise because I knew it was healthy for me. I knew it was healthy for my baby. I knew it would help my mental health. And I would get on, like, I remember this one time, like getting on the bike and just pedaling so slowly. And I was just so physically and like mentally, emotionally exhausted. I couldn't make myself do it. I lasted probably five minutes. And then I sat on the ground and stretched and just 
fought constantly with these bombarding thoughts of like, oh, I can't even exercise for longer than five minutes. You know, just a lot of like, I did not have compassion with myself. I, I had a really hard time giving myself any grace because I held myself up to such high expectations of like, well, I, I should be able to, you know, take care of my body, take care of my baby. Like, why am I not able to do this? This is a Mm -hmm. simple, simple thing that I should be able to do, but it, it is kind of, it takes over (laughs) and it feels like you don't have much control over it, um, when it gets to that point. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was not a fun place to be in. And I just really want to reach anybody who has experienced that to let them know, like, it's not about them. And there is, there's so much hope. There's so much, so many tools that they can apply, um, mm-hmm. to get better, to find improvement. Then if you don't have me asking, can we talk, if you don't have to, but about that time that you lost your sister, was it, I mean, yeah. started it or? Yeah. Well, I feel like it is, like I said, so many layers to my story. Sure. Um, I don't think there's one, one thing that contributed to like, I don't, I can't put it solely on one experience. It's, there's so many things, um, that have happened in my life that led to my challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think of one thing that I can say for sure is my family struggle with perfectionism um, was a contributor because like I grew up in a very incredible family. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I felt like my family was perfect. My parents were perfect. Um, I was, I grew up in a very religious family Um Christian, Christian family, which I am still practicing. I'm a very avid Christian and my community, even my neighborhood, like just amazing, amazing people, just really good people to where like, it felt like nobody made mistakes. (laughs) It felt like everybody was just like happy all the time and perfect. And in my family, like I I have a very, very loving, optimistic mom and parents that love each other, never like drugs or alcohol or um, no affairs, like nothing of like that in my home at all. And so like, I grew up feeling very safe. Um, And I feel very grateful for the family that I grew up in. I was best friends with my siblings. You know, everything just seemed perfect. Like I, we would talk about it. It would be like, oh my gosh, like we just have it so good. Like our family's so perfect. Um, But I think every single family has struggles, right? Like we're not immune to struggles and everyone has their own individual struggles. And for my family, I feel like there were such high expectations And I was grateful for those. And we really lived up to those. Um, Like I was a 4.0 student. I was very involved in school. I was in student government and I was an orchestra and first chair violinist. And, you know, I the violin too. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) But I was just, yeah, just like living this quote unquote perfect life. Like I was a really good teenager, never snuck out, like just did everything right. Um, But I think there's something that can be unhealthy with that kind of mindset and those high expectations. And that is for me. And I also saw it with my sister, 
a struggle with perfectionism, a struggle feeling like, and this is not anything that anybody told me. Like mm -hmm. I didn't get these messages like straight out from my parents. They never said this. Like my church leaders never said this, but it's something that I just like subliminal messages that I perceived as a kid of like, if I, if I didn't live up to those expectations, if I wasn't perfect, then I wasn't worth love. Mm -hmm. um, and that was my underlying struggle. It was like, if I were to get an A minus, I'd beat myself up over it. Like I would attach my, my identity and my worth to what I was doing. Um, and if I, if I couldn't do all the things just right, then I wasn't worthwhile. Um, and I was, I bent over backwards to please people. And I just wanted ever, I was a peacemaker, which can be a really good thing. Right. But like, yeah. it can also be really harmful. Um, because then all of a sudden I felt responsible for like keeping everyone happy. And if somebody was sad, I was like, oh, it's something that I did or, you know, like I needed, I need to do something to make them happy. It's my responsibility to keep everyone happy. Um, so I don't know. I know some of that was because of, you know, my culture and my, my family and a lot of it too is just nature and who I am naturally. I just, I am a peacemaker. I want to please people. I want to make people happy. Um, but it gets wearing over time. Um, and looking back, I had some anxiety as a teenager. I think it's very common in teenagers to have, you know, that anxiety or some amount of depression or a little bit of confusion when trying to figure out your identity. Mm -hmm. And, and I really focused on like just outside sources. Like I wanted to please my parents. I wanted to please, I wanted everyone to tell me that I was, I was worth love. And I was just looking for those outside sources to tell me that I was worthwhile. And I saw that with my sister, but she had struggled with some things. She struggled with an eating disorder um, because she wanted the quote unquote perfect body. Um, she struggled with, you know, little things like she, I remember she kind of had a boyfriend when she was 15 and that was kind of looked down upon in our culture and our community. It's like, you wait until you're older to like, which 15 is pretty, maybe she was 14, but it's like those things, um, were looked down upon because, you know, you can't have sex before you're married and you can't, and you can't, um, drink or you can't, you know, yeah. all these, all these expectations that I think are good. Like it, they, I don't think those expectations really hurt me. It was just the subliminal message that if I were to make mistakes, I wasn't worth love. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, not something someone told me, it was just the way I felt. And of course I'm imperfect. So I made mistakes and my sister, she was imperfect. She made mistakes, but those mistakes weren't ever talked about. They're just kind of thrown under a rug. And like, there's a lot of shame, um, around making mistakes in my family. And not that I ever felt like my parents shamed me. I just didn't feel like like I felt like my parents were perfect and I didn't feel like they would understand yeah. if I made mistakes, you know, or like love me, even though now I know that they do. But as a child, that was just kind of how I felt. And I know that's how my sister felt. Um, so the perfectionism was a huge struggle for me. And then when she died, it was like, oh, I wasn't because I was I was really close with my sister and I was a pretty shy kid growing up. And it was like, 
my sister and my mom were the two that I would open up to. Like they really knew my whole soul, but everyone else, like I kind of put a, on a show a bit, like I wasn't really my true vulnerable self around, um, because I think of the perfectionism, you know, I couldn't yeah. really let them see me, but my mom and my sister, I felt like they knew me completely and hundred percent everything. Like I didn't hold back with them. And so when I lost my sister, I felt like I had failed her. Like I felt like, oh, I didn't love her enough. I wasn't there for her enough. Like my whole people pleaser personality came out of like, and like feeling responsible for other people came out and it was like crushing. Like I felt like I could not be enough for her to keep her alive and Mm -hmm. to keep her happy. And, and so that was definitely hard to process. Um, the way that I processed through that time in my life, um, I wrote a lot of poetry. I wrote a lot of songs. Um, I created, and that was a healthy way for me to process through it, but I, it's still a struggle. Like I still miss her every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like she was, she took a part of me with her and it's been hard to feel grounded again with her loss. But after that time, I about, so I had, my daughter was about eight months old. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I lost my sister and then we went through some other struggles. Like I had a miscarriage when my daughter was two and then we moved to, um, moved to Arizona away from family and my family was kind of my rock, you know? So like we were together through it all. We, we could grieve together. We all loved my sister dearly. And so I was able to, when I was crying, call my brothers or call my mom or my dad and, and talk about it. But and, or just be there. Like I, I was with my mom probably once a week and she helped me with my daughter. And I just felt a lot of like groundedness around family. Um, and then we moved to Arizona away from family in a different state. And all of a sudden I had to find myself again. It was like, I felt like I had to prove myself to all these people that didn't know me and I didn't have family and I didn't have any support really. Like my husband was really busy with his residency and, and I just kind of felt alone. And it was like another blow to my identity of like, okay, who am I? Like, who am I now? I don't have my sister. I don't have my family. I don't have my community that I've always had. I'm thrown into this new place. Who am I? Um, and then just, so that was really my first hit with depression and anxiety. It wasn't until we moved to Arizona that it really showed up. Um, and I think it was just that just moving away and leaving the people and the things in my life that felt me like helped me feel grounded. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like losing Kimber was a huge blow to my identity and the way that I saw myself and saw the world and then moving away from everything and everyone that I was close to, that was another blow. Like, okay, without these people that I'm constantly trying to please and, and looking for like validation of my identity and that I'm good enough. um, If I'm away from all these people that do that for me, then who am I? Am I even worth anything? Um, and so I really struggled a lot with feelings of depression, anxiety, and it was really, really hard as a mom because for me, I could see how that affected my daughter. Um, 
I have a, a daughter who's a, a sweet, incredible, sensitive soul. And when I was struggling, I could see like she wouldn't sleep as well. She was acting out more. Um, and that was really hard. So I had coupled onto this struggle of identity, this like intense mom guilt of like, Hey, if I'm not good, then my daughter's not good. (laughs) And like, I'm directly influencing her and hurting her. And, and that's, it's like 10 times worse for me as a mom to like experience that, you know? So I started to doubt my ability to be a mom and like feeling like I didn't, I, anyone else would do a better job. Um, but I was able to apply some tools during that time and I was able to find some improvement. And I, for me, medication has been helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I got on medication that helped and I was doing great. And we moved again to Oregon and for my husband's second year residency. And I found some friends and I was doing really, really well, but I, we wanted to have another baby. Um, and I didn't want to be on that medication. So I went off the medication Mm -hmm. and about six, like I was off of it for probably four or five months and I was doing Mm -hmm. fine and I got pregnant and I was doing fine and I thought everything was good. But then when I was six months pregnant with my son, it was like, just hit me like a ton of bricks and it started out with anxiety. It started out with those feelings of not being good enough and, Mm -hmm. and those thoughts. Um, and then, you know, believing those thoughts and again, watching my daughter as I struggled, she struggled and that was hard. And then I wasn't eating well and I wasn't able to exercise because the depression got too bad. And after you go for so long without sleeping, your brain just doesn't function. So I got to a place where my brain stopped functioning and, um, I lost sense of reality and that's what psychosis is. You lose sense of reality. And by the grace of God, I was able to get through it. Um, but it was hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. I would say even harder than, than losing my sister, although that plays a huge role in it. Yeah. And that was really hard going through psychosis was absolute hell. And I felt completely separated from love. Um, I was consumed by fear, by darkness, by, um, like there was no rest. I had no peace for months, like four months on end. I couldn't make myself cry. I couldn't make myself feel, um, I learned my friend had died and I, there was, I couldn't even feel like, I remember just like feeling like, oh my gosh, like I'm so numb. I can't even cry over my friend's sudden death. Um, So it was, that's what it was like for me. It was just like, almost like a living in a different world. Um, but a world that's very, it's a nightmare. It's like a drawn out nightmare. (laughs) So that was that experience. And I ended up graceful. Like I'm so grateful that so, so grateful that I was able to make it through that. But, um, the things that helped me make it through that were again, have layers, but number one, connecting to God's love, um, and really understanding that has been huge for me and my personal recovery, learning of unconditional love and what that actually looks like, because I was convinced that God had condemned me and that I was going to hell and that I didn't deserve family and I didn't deserve life and I didn't deserve love. And I was having all those feelings and just learning how those were not true. Those were lies and, and understanding that 
and really connecting to God's love in a powerful way has been monumental for me. And then as well as getting back on medication, um, I believe that that has been a, a necessary tool for me. And, you know, you had mentioned that that that's something that you haven't had to do. And I think that's why, you know, everybody's story is so different. I know. And some people, they need that chemical change. Mm-hmm. And some, some people can get that chemical change through exercise and through nutrition. And some people need a variety of things. And it's just so unique for every person. Um, for me, I battled, like I did not want to get on medication for the longest time. And I tried it. Like I tried exercise. I tried nutrition. I tried a variety of natural things that just didn't quite cut it for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very grateful that there is that choice. That's a, that's an option for some people that it can be successful for some. It's not successful for others. It's unfortunately, yeah. um, it's not a one size fits all. But for me, that was a helpful thing in my recovery, um, getting on an antidepressant. And but it, it's also an antidepressant isn't a solve all because you you need to get down to the source of the problems and what's mm-hmm. causing the problems and and the feelings and thoughts that you're having. Um, so yeah, so that has been my journey, and I'm just so grateful. I look back and I think about where I was in that place when I was pregnant with my son, and I thought, you know, there's so many articles and so much so much research that I came across when I was in that low place about how depression and anxiety can really hurt your your baby and and I know that it does affect your baby but I also believe in a greater plan um and things that we we can't fully understand or fully comprehend and I believe like I look at my son now and he's an absolute miracle he's mm. so happy and so incredible and and just the sweetest little man. <laughs> he's just <laughs> he's just the sweetest little man. He's so cute. And and I feel so grateful that I now can feel that love um, that I didn't once feel. You know, I just felt resentment. I felt awful for myself. I I thought, like, how could I do this to a child? How could I how could I become a mom when I'm so terrible of a person? Um, he deserves better than what I could ever give him. Those were the thoughts that I truly believed. And now I can see that we're meant to be together. And um, I'm just so grateful to be his mom. And I I feel so much joy. And so I just, I really want to get that message out that you know, if you're feeling those dark, awful feelings, it's, it doesn't have to be a forever, a forever thing. There's hope for change. It's hard because I went through something so similar. And for someone to just, you just took the words out of my mouth. It's like why I started this podcast is to help people too. You know, you're not alone. And I felt so alone with God's grace. He saved me. For me, like growing up in a religious community, um, I always had faith in God. Mm -hmm. I was had faith in, in Jesus Christ, but I didn't really know him. I feel like, yeah, I knew the concept of him, but I didn't really know him. And, and I believed when I was going through my hard time that he didn't love me, that he couldn't love me, that I wasn't worth love, that I wasn't reading my scriptures and I wasn't praying and I wasn't doing all those steps, those perfectionistic, like, you know, I felt like I needed to do those steps to be worthy of his love that like, I wouldn't get anything in return unless I did all these steps and these things. Um, and I learned that he loved me in my brokenness. Like he, that 
that he loved me even when I was feeling so unlovable that I felt like I wasn't worth anything. Um, but it also took faith. You know, I, I remember just thinking about like, I had this thought and this goes back to my OCD struggle. Like when I was in that, that, um, dark place, I had very OCD, it's called religious OCD or scrupulosity. Um, but what it is, is, is an obsession of like where you're going to end up. Like I had this obsessive thought that like, I'm gonna go to hell. I'm gonna go to hell. I'm gonna go to hell. Like God doesn't love me. He's condemning me. Like all these religious, like awful thoughts. Um, um, and that was my experience, but I learned that, he loved me even in the awful place that I was and that he wasn't trying to condemn me, that that was something I was doing to myself mm-hmm. and that he just wanted to connect with me. Like he just wanted me to feel of his love. Um, and I had that thought of like, wait, I know, I know my savior, Jesus Christ. I, I know him and I have faith in him and if I know him, I know that the scriptures say that he can heal me, mm-hmm. you know, like it says in the Bible that he is healed. He's healed people that have been mentally ill that have been, you know, consumed by demons or whatever, like, yeah. or like people that have been blind. Um, he has healed the blind. He has healed, he's healed people that, have made terrible choices in their lives that have caused them to be in a very dark place. Um, and it's just taken faith. And so in that moment for me, I felt all these awful lies coming at me about my identity, about where I belonged, about where I was going to be about going, going to hell and all these things. And I had to just stop and think about who he really was. Um, and think about what the New Testament said about Jesus Christ and his life and his love. And I had a light bulb moment where I was like, no, like I believe that he does have the power to heal me because if he can heal all these other people in all these other um, places with all these other challenges that they've had, he can heal me too. And when I had that experience, it was like a night and day difference, like all those negative thoughts, all those, it was for me pretty quick that it happened Yeah, four months of feeling absolute misery, absolute misery down in the dumps, um, uncontrollable anxiety and depression, everything. And it was like the moment that I really felt like I exercised that faith and that I was like, no, like I know that he has the power to heal me if I just believe. Um, and I just, it was like all the negativity just left all those thoughts left. And for me, it was a very spiritual and sacred experience that like, I know this is so individual to everybody and I don't know how many people can relate to this experience, but it felt really real to me. Um, I felt all the negativity and darkness leave and I felt surrounded by love. And for somebody who has been separated from that feeling of love for four months, it was, it felt like a complete absolute miracle. Um, 
And all of a sudden I felt my sister that had died, my friend that had died, my great grandma who had died, my grandma and grandpa that had died. And I felt their presence around me. And I started to just sob for the first time in months, actually be able to cry. I tried making myself cry and I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And it was like real feelings of love that I had been trying so hard to feel. Um, And I felt like my sister was saying, you know, Kristen, it's going to be okay. I'm here and you're going to be okay. And just, I can't describe that feeling of love that I felt in that moment and how polar opposite it was to the darkness that I was feeling before. Um, And that I believe is a miracle that occurred through faith um, and through God's grace and his power and reality to me. And again, I don't want to make anyone feel like this has to be their story because everyone's story is so, so different. But to me, this is, this is my story that has helped me help me heal, you know, and, and I feel like it was a power outside of myself. Um, but it did come from my faith and it came from really choosing to believe in that outside source of love. Um, and then I, I understood better that God doesn't want me to be miserable. He doesn't expect me to be perfect. And you know, that scripture that says like, be therefore perfect, even as I am. Um, And that's Jesus Christ speaking. So I did some research and I learned that the word perfect in that scripture actually means whole. It means complete. And that that is not expected in life. Like it's expected in the aspect of like eternity. Um, And that has helped me a lot with my perfectionism because I've realized God doesn't expect perfection out of me. Like that's impossible to reach. Yeah. But through him, I can be whole. And even through all my mistakes and all of my challenges and all of my weaknesses and whatever, whatever I face, he can make me whole and he can help me strengthen, strengthen who I am and strengthen, you know, make my struggles become a strength. Um, And I really have a firm belief of that, that there's a bigger picture and that if I turn to God in faith and I connect with his love, his unconditional love, that he will take my weakness, my struggle, my challenge, whatever it might be, and make it for my good and for the good of other people. Um, And it's been really cool to see that change and transformation happen in my life. I think the most thing that you said is really important that keeps sticking out to me is uh, practicing faith, like exercising it. Yeah. Oh, that is so good because I'm, I feel like that right now. I've been trying, I feel like I got distance from God, but there's like a lot of signs or like people, even like you are just like pulling me back to him. Yeah. Well, it's easy to do. And I, it's, I do it. I have to tell my, I have to remind myself of these experiences that I've had because it's so easy to do because it's like, it's really hard to have a relationship with a being that you can't see that you can't like talk face to face with. And it's faith is really hard. Like, I think it's a gift for some people. It's a, it's a challenge for me. I, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it comes naturally to me. It comes natural to my mom. It comes natural to friends of mine. But like, for me, 
I have to remember the experiences that I've had and I have to honor them. Um, and, and I have to make an effort. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that I think of when it comes to like faith in God, it was so dependent on what I did and what I didn't do. Right. Like his love. It was like a gift that I got if I was doing everything right. If I was doing everything perfect, if I was living my life in a certain way, he would give me that gift of love. Um, but I've learned now that no, his love is like a shower, like a, a downpour of rain pouring down every single one of his children, every single person on earth. And he act like we access that love in very unique and individual ways. Like he wants to connect with us the way that we connect to love. Um, and so it's going to look different for every single person. But what happens in our lives is we can, we put up umbrellas that block his love. And it's not that he takes away his love. It's always there, mm -hmm. but it's, we put up our own umbrellas. So whether that be fear or whether that be something that we're doing um, or not doing that causes us to be disconnected from his love, um, whatever that might be, it's, it's our own umbrellas we're holding up. It's not that he's punishing us or, yeah. you know, purposely taking away his love that's always there. It's something we're doing or not doing or, or mis misconception that we have that's blocking out that downpour of love. Um, and that has helped me kind of view his love differently of like, okay, he's not punishing me. He's not punishing me. Like when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling depressed, I take ownership of that. What am I doing or what can I stop doing or what can I change from where I'm at right now to be able to connect to his love? That's always there. You know, like he's not going to stop loving me because I make mistakes. It's my mistakes that get in the way of me being able to just like, do you have, I'm just curious, do you have a favorite verse? Yes. So when I was really struggling and what's so bad is I don't even know, I think this is in James, but That's I, okay. I, put on the spot I don't right now, know. Guys. No, <laughs> I have the scripture memorized. I'm just really bad for some reason, like remembering the reference, yeah. but it's peace. I leave with you. My peace. I give unto you, not as a world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. And I can't tell you how many times I repeated that verse to myself when I was struggling, um, just focusing on peace and focusing on that, like, God can give me that peace that I can access that peace. And that's what he wants for me. He's, again, not a condemning God. Like, he he doesn't want me to be miserable. Like yeah. he, he wants me to be at peace. And it's different than anybody, any other source that can give me peace. You know, if I'm trying to connect to God and his love, it's a different kind of powerful peace that I can, I can receive. And I felt that really strongly in my life. Um, so that's my favorite verse of scripture. I love it. No, that's a really good one. That's a good one. I don't think I've come across that verse. So you taught me that one. <laughs> <laughs> Is there, um, like I want others to either connect with you or how can we connect with you like podcasts? Cause I know we have mentioned it. Do you have an Instagram yeah. or anything else? I do. I do. I have an Instagram page. Um, I think it's lighting the shadows. There might be underscores in there. Um, and then I have a Facebook page lighting the shadows 
And then my podcast is, is lighting the shadows, obviously. (laughs) And my website's www.lightingtheshadows.org. So you can access, you can connect with me through my, my website and there's links to Facebook, Facebook and Instagram, or you can also go on there and listen to my my podcast too. Um, and so far in my podcast, it's not, so my, my podcast, I'm only on season one. I'm fairly new to podcasting. I think I have like 11 episodes out right now, but this first season is all focused on just a variety of like solely mental health and emotional Mm -hmm. health. Um, my second season is going to be focused solely on spirituality, faith, and religion. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to interview people of all different religious backgrounds and just ask the question, what brings you peace? Um, because again, I feel like God connects to us all very differently. And I, I think it's very fascinating to hear everybody's spirituality journeys, um, and how they connect to that peace and love. So, um, so yeah, that will be my, my second my second season so yeah so far not very focused on on spirituality but season two wow i'm really looking forward to that season that sounds really good (laughs) i am too i'm i'm just (laughs) excited to learn from other people it's fun well thank you so much for joining me today it was really uh, i think it's really refreshing to hear someone else's story and see how far we all come from our journey yeah of course thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure Thanks for joining me this week on another episode. I would love to hear from you back if you enjoy this episode or have questions. As always, please subscribe, leave a review, or follow me on Instagram at Most Melissa Podcast. And a huge thank you to Kristen for being a guest on this week's episode. If you guys have any questions or anything, please feel free to contact me. And with that being said, I'll catch you guys on the next episode. 